Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to answer some questions from the fine listeners, uh, just like yourself. And uh, there, there will be a couple, I don't think they're rants, I think they're just maybe just short observations. I'm not upset about anything. It's just a couple things that I'll talk about, including one of those is the case study that I worked on with niche website builders and published all that content, about 200,000 words. I'll give you a little tiny update on where things are now. Now, truth be told, I'm recording this pretty far in advance. So it's actually like the end of June right now. It's the very tail end of June. And I know I'm going to be publishing this about a month later. So it has been a little bit, I'll say intoxicating to record so far in advance that I have like a month done. And especially over the summer, I'm actually trying to take a little bit more time off. And just having the episodes done is really cool. The downside is there's a little bit more of a disconnect, the timeliness of when I publish stuff, especially if I'm giving like an update on a case study. It's like, fuck, well, it's a little bit a little bit late. So I'll give you some data on where things are, but you can look forward to other updates in the future. In fact, you know, by the time this episode actually publishes, the time that you're listening to it, I may have a blog post or other information so you can sort of get the latest. But I'll just give you a little a little touch on that. And speaking of intoxicating, it is five o'clock somewhere and I'm drinking a Stone IPA, the iconic West Coast style IPA, checking in at 6.9% alcohol. And we actually went to one of the tasting rooms because we were in San Diego and it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, I think the secret was out. There's beaches there. It's pretty awesome. The weather's perfect. It's perfect like all year long. So people know that San Diego is pretty fantastic. There's a huge brewing scene out there too. I went to several breweries, went to a lot of tap rooms, and it was a lot of fun. That's another discussion for another day. But it had been a while since I had Stone. I actually live in a, a pretty nice beer uh, area and there's a lot of great beer. So a lot of times I am trying to drink uh, local stuff or things that are at least within the state, uh, breweries that are within the state. And occasionally, you know, I'll get the import, the rare import from probably Belgium. And occasionally I'll drink out-of-state beers, but there's so much good beer. And I think it's probably the same in California where, you know, if you're in the Bay Area, or if you're in Southern California, there's so many good beers that are like a couple miles away. Like you may as well get the fresh stuff, support your local economy and all that. Anyway, San Diego was super cool. We did a lot of cool stuff and we went to one of the stone tasting rooms for a sampler. It was very nice. So uh, cheers. Let me have a sip. Yum-a-dum. Okay. This is brought to you by Otis Global. That's O-D-Y-S dot global. They're the source for premium age domains. And the feature domain for today is the travel editor. And as you can imagine, this is a uh, what used to be a travel site. 
and it was created back in 2007, so it's 15 years old. Currently, the domain rating is 30 if you check it out over on Hrefs here. And let's see, there are 351 referring domains and 254 of them are do follow. Some of them come from uh, pretty big sites like BuzzFeed, SFGate, the Guardian, Groupon.com, and many, many more. You can monetize this in several different ways. Um, it's totally up to you if you wanted to focus more on the informational type content for travel, or you could have product reviews. As you travel, you need uh, you know, different things for different places. So it's definitely worth looking at some of the affiliate products you could promote. Additionally, you could also write articles that are reviews where it's a kind of a referral basis to say specific tours to different locations. And I think this is one of those where you would never run out of keywords, especially informational keywords, where it's location or activity based. And then you can, you can combine them together, mix and match. So what's the best food tour in Longmont, Colorado, for example? And you could expand that out. Maybe it's best activities for children in Paris, right? It goes on and on and on. You would never run out of keywords. So this could be something that you're, uh, you're turning into like a passion project or something like that, where you really love travel. You like researching, you like planning trips, maybe you can't travel as much, or if you are, say like a digital nomad and you can travel all the time, this is uh, the perfect kind of website that you could, you know, just turn into your own passion project. So the cool thing with Otis Global, they provide you with a nice logo if you actually buy the site. If you join Otis using my affiliate link, you can get $100 in your account. And if you purchase anything, I might earn a commission. So thanks a lot to Otis. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the other side here. Next, let's get into the questions here. So first one is from Mark. And in, you know, sort of my normal style, I will not mention the specific niche that he is asking about, but I'll kind of make it generic so it'll apply to ho hopefully more people. So Mark says this, I hope you're well and thanks for all the great content and advice on blogging. I was wondering if you've ever discussed in any of your videos or posts or podcasts about a niche being too saturated. Is there anything that's too saturated to work for a given niche? In my example, I'll say um, guitars. Guitars would be my specific interest. I have a background not only playing guitar, but teaching guitar professionally and actually working for some of the major, uh, major equipment manufacturers over the years. I left the industry in 2008 as my wife and I run an e-commerce site and we've been doing that since 2004 and Mark got a little tired of the travel apparently. But retirement is not far off and I'm looking forward to shifting over from e-commerce to a content creation and affiliate type site. Guitars continue to be, uh, sorry, guitar continues to have what appears to be some strong 
and decent paying affiliate offers and it's something that I know all about. It seems to be pretty saturated too. So that's what I wanted to ask about. Thanks. And uh, signed Mark. So Mark, a uh, great question. Again, I made up the guitar example because I'm not creative and there's guitars around me. That's what I saw. Luckily, it fit in perfectly for the example here. So I, I have uh, different thoughts on this overall. And I did reply back with Mark to get a little bit of uh, back and forth. And I like to ask a couple questions here. So I replied back and I, I was like, hey, it depends on how much time and effort you want to put into it. Mark, you obviously have the right background and you could look at this on a very long timeline. People often worry about saturation in niches when they're in a hurry, when they're thinking, hey, can I hit whatever, thousand bucks a month in six months? Can I do it? I need to make money fast. And I don't think Mark is in that situation. You know, he's on the tail end of his career. He's actually passionate about the, you know, the, the instrument, the guitar, right? He's, he's done it professionally. He's taught it. He's worked in the industry. So it totally makes sense. Now, that said, it is a competitive space and it might take a while to get traction, but that doesn't even matter if you're thinking long-term and it's kind of part of your lifestyle anyway. So I think new people that start in any medium, in any competitive niche, um, they, I mean, they start all the time and they actually do make it work. Often they have some unfair advantage. So quick example, writers, especially writers that have experience on the web, they seem to do pretty well with the websites. They understand how to write good content. They could do it themselves. They understand what good t content looks like when they hire someone. And if a writer does a shitty job, they fire them. They don't work with them anymore because they know what's good and what is not. In Mark's case, he has the unfair advantage because he worked in the industry and he taught other people how to play guitar and he's experienced. So, He's an expert. He has the expertise already. That is his unfair advantage. On top of like just being aware of the industry and all that stuff, he taught it. And I think that's a even higher level of distinction. So what, what I recommend is just kind of get out of the mindset that unfortunately uh, my YouTube videos kind of propagate. And that is you're in a big fucking hurry and like, you got to do this as soon as possible. Like you can do this on a slower time frame. If you have the luxurious position that it sounds like Mark has where he has a full-time job, he's getting closer to retirement and he's like, well, how can I make a little money and do a little work that maybe I'm interested in when I'm retired? And if you're thinking about three to five years for being successful or even like Christy who has helped me out with the case study over the last couple years, basically sh she could have her site for as long as there are like websites out there. She's part of the community. It's something she's doing anyway. She would be doing it anyway. She's thinking about it and talking about it all the time. And it's the same situation for Mark. So if you're thinking about three or five or 10 years, 
your competition is thinking about three or six months. They're making dumber decisions. So if you have like a long-term view, you could be very strategic. You could be a little bit calmer and not stressed out. If you're trying to publish 20 articles per month and you only hit 10 one month, who cares? In, in two years, you will have made up the difference. And when you view it like that, it's less stressful, which fits my overall goals and demeanor of not being stressed out. And it makes it helps you make decisions that are better for the long-term situation versus, you know, how can I make the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time? That leads to bad decisions. So when when you think about the overall competitiveness and you think about can you outrank some of the big sites? And I think it is possible. You may have to, again, you know, take a longer term view or maybe look at a, a smaller sliver of the, the keyword area or something like that. But, you know, it can be done. I often get questions like, hey, is, is this keyword too competitive? Can I outrank this site? Well, I don't know if that individual that asked the question can actually outrank the site, but any given URL can be outranked by another one. So when you really dissect like what people are trying to do and the questions they ask, it's like they want a, sort of a guarantee that they'll be successful. Now, I know Mark isn't asking that specifically. He's just like, hey, is this, um, is this too competitive because it's saturated and there's a ton of people in the market? But I think you can carve out your you know, specific thing that you're interested in. Now, Mark uh, further asked this, and I forgot about it, so I'm going to read it out loud, and hopefully I'll have something to say immediately afterwards. So, he says this, I think a podcast uh, that delves into the idea of what's too competitive or not, and if you feel you can develop traction in a competitive niche, how do you do it? And what kind of expectations should you have for how long this traction might take to see some success? How do you know when to pull the plug? And overall, it will depend, like all good questions, the answer is it depends. And I don't know the answer, but I can give you um, sort of a brain dump on what I think. So I would say at this point in time, I would probably publish content, get it out there. I would look at networking within the niche. And as time has gone on and the link building and email apps, like, um, well, I won't mention any specifically, but sort of those mail merge apps and automation situations, that area is so mature that it's really hard to send out emails and have anyone read it. It's hard to get traction to get a guest post. So I would lean on social media very heavily, not necessarily to create anything on social media, unless that's your thing. If you, if you like to um, take photos, Instagram, if you want to do you know videos and reels and, and uh, TikTok, that's great. Go for it. But even if you don't want to create anything, you can be a consumer and you can network within your niche. 
because you're probably writing a blog and many of the social media creators are not writing a blog, they're not direct competitors. You can cross promote. This seems to be very effective and you could actually get in touch with people because if they're doing a good job on social media, they're probably answering their DMs or probably interacting with people in the comments. And it's not, it is not unusual to get a connection that way, do a little collaboration, cross promotion. They're not direct competitors. It just works out pretty well. And then you're building your network. You're meeting other people in there. And because Mark has been in the industry, well, he already has contacts. He probably can lean on that another unfair advantage. So what kind of expectation about traction to see some success? Well, if you're just straight up publishing content and you're not doing this networking piece that I described, I would say, you know, six to 18 months, give or take. So we're talking 12 months plus or minus six months. I don't know why I said it in those different ways, but basically you're looking at about a year, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little bit longer to get traction. If you start networking via social media or you have social media as a piece of your content strategy, then you can get traction much faster. I think depending on your niche, you may have a, you know, a considerable amount of traffic coming in via the social media. I know uh, Christy, for example, she ended up getting a lot of traffic from Pinterest. And it was, I think it was a the majority of her traffic for the first three months, and then Google traffic took over. Now, other traffic aside from Google makes up a very small percentage, but in the early days, it was pretty significant, and she actually got traction fairly quickly within like you know six or eight weeks, something like that, very fast because she was spending time networking and working on uh, Pinterest and putting the time in. So... I think that is a reasonable amount of time. As far as when to pull the plug, that is really hard to tell. And there's a book that I, there's a couple books that I'll recommend here. So one's called The Dip by Seth Godin, and it helps you kind of understand or at least ask some questions and reflect like, are you just in a little bit of a lull and you're about to accelerate with growth? Or are you in a lull and are you, you about to like, stop all productivity and you're just kind of on a downward spiral. Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, but the other book that I'll mention is one by Scott Adams called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. There's a section in there basically talking about when to quit. And he made a great point and I hope it translates well to the website world. Because again, you do need to put in a certain amount of time on these content websites. A year is thrown out often. You know, you should probably see a little bit of traction once you get out of the Google sandbox. But what Scott mentioned in his book is basically usually big successes start as small successes. It's very rare that a little mini failure turns into a big success. Things usually don't turn around if, if it's really shitty. You know, it's, it's usually at best going to be a mediocre situation and you can kind of tell if things aren't going to work out. 
That said, again, I'll emphasize you probably should put in enough time and effort and make sure you're doing, you know, quality work on your website. So I know some people are like, I published 200 posts on my, on my site and I'm making 20 bucks a month and it's been four years and it's like you have somewhere along the way made a mistake. There's a good chance you've made a series of mistakes. Can you go back and fix them? Sometimes, you know, you may be able to do that, but I mean, there's a decent, I mean, unfortunately I hear from a decent number of people. I think they probably just publish really poor quality content is my guess where it's just the, the grammar's bad. Like if someone lands on the page, they're like the writer didn't know what they were talking about. It reads terrible and they bounce. And then those sites are just not going to do well. I have a strong feeling that is uh, the majority of people that run into an issue. So um, Mark, in this case, I would say hearing your background and the way you asked the question, I don't think you're going to run into an issue. I think if you're willing to be flexible and pivot and you may take a certain approach and you're like, well, this isn't working that well. I need to try something a little bit different. Maybe it's the networking piece. Maybe you realize you need to focus in another area and you need to, you know, interact and network with people on Instagram and then figure, figure out what works for you. But again, the point is to be flexible to pivot, have a plan, but be willing to shift as you get more feedback from the world and you see like things are working and some things are not working, you know, pivot so that you're moving in the area that is working. So hopefully that is helpful. And if you have an unfair advantage, if you worked in the industry, if you taught it, there's a strong chance you're probably going to be able to pull it off and you may be able to pull it off and find success faster than other people. Because the thing is, I know sometimes people find a niche and they just don't know anything about it. I did this in the beginning and you know, the business part, the process was kind of fun, but I really didn't know what I was talking about. So it didn't work out. The content wasn't that great. And it ended up being something I needed to just move on from and spend time where I was comfortable. So thanks for sending that in. And of course, if you have questions out there, feedback at Doug.show. I, I think I end up putting on uh, most of the emails that come through that are good questions. Occasionally I get a bad one or one that's too common. I'll skip those, but good questions I always get on. Now, quick little update here for the case study that I was working on with niche website builders. They contributed about 200,000 words of content. I published, I think it ended up being about 180 posts, 170, 180 posts. So added a pretty good chunk amount or a pretty good chunk of content and traffic was, you know, growing along the way. It's continuing to grow the revenue. And I'll, I'll tell you what I have right now. So the revenue, keeping in mind that I'm recording this early and you're getting this a little later, but revenue in May was 583 from Ezoic. And that's kind of the main monetization. It does earn a little bit of Amazon revenue, but the main focus is um, the display ads overall. So just not a lot of traffic over on the affiliate side, a little bit. And uh, 
speaking of focusing on what was working, I was able to rank content that was informational in nature a little bit better and the affiliate reviews weren't ranking as well. So I was like, it looks like there's an unlimited number of keywords that are informational. So why don't we just do more of that and just really accelerated the process along the way. In June, we're basically tracking along for just about the same amount and maybe a little bit less, a little bit more. But one thing I do want to point out, I was talking to my account manager over at Ezoic and one thing is there's just a little volatility with the revenue and I guess the advertising revenue in general because advertisers are unsure of recession, economic downturn, and it's just a little bit interesting because I I know I actually saw um, and people were asking like, hey, EPMVs are down. What's the situation? And it's kind of the the economy is a little bit of you know, what advertisers have in their budget. And it's, you know, we have inflation and there's a lot of components that indicate that um, there could be, you know, a longer recession or a longer period of just economic downturn. So they're watching their budgets a little more closely and that does hit the bottom line. Now, on the other side, you know, we do see Amazon sales. Um, At least I've heard from a number of people that their Amazon affiliate revenue is a little bit down too. And again, people are maybe holding their wallets a little closer. They're not as willing to just buy things frivolously or they're having to pay you know, so much for gas, which was super expensive in uh, California, as we all probably know. But I think I saw it was something like six six $6.30 a gallon up to about seven. I saw pretty close to seven bucks if I remember right. But anyway, Ezoic um, revenue seems to be fairly uh, stable. It's just that it was a little bit like lower from an EPMV standpoint um, for, I think, part of April, part of May. I think I saw a little uptick. But anyway, just wanted to give you an update on that. And I think by the time this publishes, some of the content will have aged a little bit more. And my plan is because I just published so much new content, I want to go back and improve and add to the content that I just published. In addition, there were, I believe, 235 or so posts that were already published before niche website builders published more. I need to go back and update a large number of those. So I potentially can have my VA work on that. There's a chance I may hire a couple writers to just work on that. And they would have their standard operating procedure, their SOP to go through and add more content to a given post. So maybe there's a few different kind of posts that they maybe would have to update. Maybe it's informational, maybe it's um, a specific informational how-to type article, maybe it's a product review, and each one of those would have a different SOP on how they would go and add and improve content, add FAQs, maybe they find some new information about a product, 
Maybe there's new features, maybe there's a new model, that sort of thing. So the site is continuing to grow and it's good to see traffic tick up. So hopefully I'll have a, a new update out soon and it can give you a sort of a full rundown on traffic, revenue, and uh, sort of the growth over the case study time period. And one thing is, you know, you publish a lot of content and traffic is coming to those new posts right away, but it does take a little time for that content to mature. And it does seem to rank better, get more traffic over time, pull in more long tail keywords. So I would expect, you know, several months to even up to a year for some of the the content to fully mature, which is kind of cool. You know, you do all this work, I'm seeing a little bit of a positive impact and then it's a good feeling to know that it potentially will continue to pull in more traffic over the next several months. So pretty cool. All right. Next, we have a question from Sonu. I think I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Hi, Doug. It's always good to hear from you whenever I receive your emails. I always open them. I have listened to several podcasts and I have become an affiliate blogger after following you for a year and a half. Um, I have some questions to ask, very little and easy questions. And I, I doubt, I, I, yeah, I doubt if you would be able to answer me. So I'm writing an email to see if I can send you a, an, another email to ask questions about minor issues with keyword research. Okay. So thank you for the support, Sunu. Pro tip, if you're going to ask a question, just ask the fucking question. Don't send an email to say, hey, can I send you another email? You just, you know, this is kind of a waste of time. Just put it in there. If I'm not going to answer it, then I won't answer it. But if I do, then I will. So you don't need to say like, hey, can I send you a question? That's a, a sh- I'm saying it, um, one, uh, hopefully it's a little bit amusing, but I, I that actually happens a lot. You know, I think you're trying to show a little respect uh, of my time and say, hey, I know you're really busy. You may not be able to ask, but can I send you another email? And, um, you know, like I said, just go ahead, send the question and I'll do something with it or I won't. But, um, you know, double checking isn't super, um, it's not a good use of time overall. So, okay. With that said, Sunu says, cool. Thanks. I'm a writer and I became a blogger a few months ago. I I chose the, um, I'll use guitar again. I chose the guitar niche because I believe it's profitable. My question is, how should I find keywords to write about? Like guitars are, it's a big niche and it's kind of general and I'm unable to decide if I need to write about, I'm going to make this up, uh, acoustic guitars or electric guitars or should I pick Um, like artists that play guitars. I I just really don't know what to do. And then which audience should I target for my blogs? I want to be specific and I want to be able to narrow down my niche. So this is um, a little, getting a little bit off with uh, with the analogy here. But basically, I had just, and I won't say which one it was, although I'm not really giving anything away, but Basically, I had just interviewed someone and published the interview and and it was in the email that he's responding to on the very topic 
which he was asking about. So if I were to have published a, an interview where someone literally told us their whole strategy about a guitar blog, it was literally the email that he was replying to. So I, I asked Sunu, well, did you, did you listen to the interview? Because the person that I talked to, oh, they told us exactly what they do. Now, to get a little bit more specific, and I did answer some more stuff for him, and I, I do try to be helpful. I was like, well, you should check out some of the, you know, keyword research information that I've already published out there. But basically, you can write whatever you want. If you want to focus on the acoustic guitars or amplifiers or electric guitars, you could pick something and run with it. Write some content, get into it. Then you'll have some real data and then you can sort of test to see what you like to do. And the... The other, the other portion of it is like, how specific should you get? Should you focus on this area or that? You really won't know until you get started. Like I mentioned before, I've, um, I've created several websites and many of them have been successful and many of them have not been. And I started a site a couple years ago and it was kind of my traditional uh, model, but this specific site it just wasn't ranking that well with the product reviews that I was publishing. And I got the data back from the world that the informational posts were going to rank a little bit easier and a little bit faster. So I just did more of those. So, and it was fine from a content production standpoint. It was pretty easy for me to just shift over. It was actually a little bit easier to have informational content written. So I just, I went for that and it was pretty straightforward. So, you know, you got to be willing to pivot. And I wasn't so stubborn that I was like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make this work. Cause I, I don't have that kind of energy or motivation at this point. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to do the easier thing. And it has worked out just fine. So Sunu asked uh, another question here. He did say, all right, dude, I'll watch your video. <laughs> I, I will watch it. And there's a couple questions here. Um, I'll go ahead and go through them. I think uh, many of you will already know the answer, but yeah, maybe, maybe this is a good exercise. You could think how you would answer some of these. So the follow-up is, my question was uh, what audience to target and how to start earning uh, with an affiliate program in a short time. So... I do encourage, encourage people to think about a longer time period so you can make better decisions. I, I stand by that. And as far as the audience, the specific audience, that's something you know you have to figure out on your own. I can't tell you what audience to target. You probably have some different ideas of, you know, a lot of times people will call these avatars, but you have an idea of the kind of person who might want to visit your site based on the content that you're publishing. And it is completely up to you. You know, you could focus on maybe a demographic that you're in because you know the concerns and the ideas and the issues that your own demographic has. You can flip it over and aim for a demographic where you believe there is a need, but you're not part of it. And that is absolutely valid too. 
So depending on what you want to focus on and what your interests are, that can kind of guide you. And probably in both cases, they're profitable. Either one will be profitable and it just depends on what you want to work on. So uh, Sunu further asks, where should I share my affiliate link? Should I run ads? So, you know, right off the bat, it did, it did tell me that Sunu was very new to blogging, probably had not uh, read much of my blog, probably hasn't um, watched too many videos or at least wasn't familiar. So, you know, I would say don't run ads unless you know what the fuck you're doing. Ads are, can be really effective. For affiliate marketing, ads are probably not very effective. And if you are asking that question, if you ask, should I run ads? Then the answer is no, you should absolutely not run ads. That would be like setting money on fire. As far as where should you share your affiliate links, you know, I would say probably don't share them unless you have a social media following and you know what you're doing already. Um, Of course, around here, we often publish either a blog post or a video, and that's typically how we're doing our product reviews. Next, Sunu asked whether or not he should use Quora or Reddit. Which one do you recommend? And I would say if you want, you know, if you'd like to use either one of those, then use the one that you prefer. Um, I have looked and thought about jumping into Reddit, but then I realized that there's a lot of jerks over there. Uh, you know, my apologies to any Redditors out there. It's some good information occasionally, but they could be really mean. And I'm I'm very sensitive. So I was like, I don't have time to waste over here. So if you if you like Reddit and you, you want to spend time and, and you want to promote there, you can give it a shot. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty tough and they have um, a, a very kind of high standard. So if you come in there with any kind of self-promotional stuff, you're probably going to get kicked out pretty quick. So tread lightly on that. As far as Quora, I looked at that a little bit. Um, I think you get the same kind of nonsense. There's a lot of self-promotional BS on there. There's some good stuff too, but in both cases, I never spent time to either read as a consumer or to contribute. So, you know, like I say with social media, if you dig, you know, a specific platform, you know, go for it. If you enjoy it, do it. If you don't really enjoy it and you feel like it's a chore and you have to do it, then I would probably avoid it because it will be a chore. You won't enjoy it and it will probably show in your results. All right. And further, he also says, I've um, applied for some affiliate programs. Any tips on making cash? My blog is four months old and no sales yet. So I think I covered a lot of it. I mean, you got to hit the hit some good keywords. You have to kind of understand the market, kind of understand like how to promote products. And I think, you know, this happens a lot. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I have a huge catalog of information. This episode, I think is like 370 something. And then I have, I don't know, probably like a thousand, 1500 videos on YouTube. So there's just like a staggering amount of information And I could tell that there's a lot of 
maybe confusion on Sunu's side because there's other, you know, there's a lot of other creators and there's uh, tons of information. So there, there's a chance that Sunu was introduced to a different approach. And if you try to mix and match approaches sometimes, and, and that other approach, by the way, could totally work. It just might be stuff that I literally you know don't want to do, but it, it can be very effective. And there's a lot of different ways to do the same thing. There's different steps to reach the same goal, and there's many ways to do it. And I'm not trying to tell you one way is wrong or one way is right. That said, Sunu may have some bad information that he's operating on. And by you know, hopefully finding this podcast and then following along with, you know, this model that could work out or um, you could find someone else and their model can work. Also, there could be slight changes. They could be drastically different, but oftentimes you will run into issues if you mix and match from different models before you kind of know what's going on. So if you're mixing and matching, you can accidentally put together a combination that is fantastic and it works wonderfully. More likely though, you'll put together some weird Frankenstein system that uh, it's like the worst parts of every system that you've studied and then it won't work. So you kind of have to be careful and I do encourage people to like find someone they like, find someone they trust. Doesn't have to be me, could be anybody Follow along with that model, and once you have some skills, once you understand little pieces of sort of like successful baby steps, then you can put things together. Maybe at that point, with a little more experience, you can put something together that's unique, that fits how you like to work, and you can be successful that way. Okay, so... I think that's it for Sunu. Thanks for asking the questions. And again, you know, all that stuff was good spirited. I think it was a little tough on you, but um, there's tons of information. You'll be totally fine. Put in the effort, find somebody that you want to emulate and then move forward. All right. Next little bit here is um, just a little, little story. Um, I do need to pause for a second. It's been a minute or two since I got it drink a beer. So I'll be right back. More random. So if you don't like to hear me just ramble on, then it's probably a good time to move forward. But before you go, if you haven't checked out uh, my other podcast, Mile High Five, it's very fun. I have a co-host named uh, Carl Jensen. We talk about personal finance and financial independence. And my friend Carl, he retired like five years ago at the age of, uh, I think, 43 is when he retired. So pretty cool. And then uh, technically, you know, I haven't retired, but I did take the uh, financial independence route and it gives you a lot of flexibility and freedom. And I think that's what a lot of us are looking for. So please check out that podcast, Mile High Fi, and uh, you should be able to find it on your podcast players, actually on YouTube as well. We record every episode and put it on YouTube. So one, one thing, I got this email a while back and it was from Equifax and it was like the Equifax data breach, which I think impacted a lot of people. But the thing is, 
and I think it's like a class action suit situation. So I got the email and I'm eligible, right? And I should be able to get, I can't remember. It, it was like enough where I was like, should I do this? I think it was only like 15 or $40 or something. Nothing crazy because it's a class action suit and it goes out to whatever, millions of people. But my issue is this, it was a data breach and I got an email and I have to go to a website and put in information so that they could pay me. And I was thinking, this is the company that like fucked up and got the data breach. Like I'm not entering more information, more personal information for them. So I've hung on to the email and I was just torn. Like, should I get paid for their screw up? Or is it dumb to give them more information? Or is it a scam altogether? I'm like, I can't tell if this is a phishing scam or what. So I'm curious, has anyone else hit that? Did you also have the same realization where you're like, you guys had a data breach and now you're asking for more information? Are you bananas? Like, did I not learn my lesson before? I just, I'm not sure what to do with it. And I'm pretty sure I'm just going to delete it because... Like I said, whatever, 15, 40, 50 bucks. It's like not worth the hassle of like having another data breach situation. So I was like, you know what? I don't know what to do with it. I think I'm just going to delete it. I don't trust those guys. And the final thing here, if you have any, two final things. If you have any questions for the next mailbag, I love doing these mailbag episodes. So feedback at Doug.show. You can ask a question. If I am rude to you. I try to make it in a a good spirited way where it is helpful. And uh, I do try to provide some information that's helpful and point you in the right direction. The other is just as I'm sitting here, actually standing, I usually stand to do the podcast, drinking the beer. And I was doing, um, you know, basically this monologue. It absolutely boggles my mind that I could talk to myself for 45 minutes or an hour and have no interaction with other people. Generally, I mean, you're listening to the show, generally have a show that makes sense and people listen and then you listen to the next episode. And it's so amazing because I was, you know, I'm not a talker. I'm not really a talker. And I'm not a uh, not a showman either. So I know a lot of people that I went to. I'm thinking of like high school, like middle school and high school. You know, they're really talkative. They want to get in front of the class. They really want to be the center of attention. That is not me at all. And I was uh, you know nervous to talk in front of any sort of group of people, even like in class or whatever. Just pretty shy. Um, just kind of quiet. So for me to be able to talk for, again, 45 minutes with no other input, sure, I'm drinking a beer right now, but I can do this in the morning too. Absolutely boggles my mind how far I've come as far as uh, speaking and being able to hopefully tell a story. And it feels pretty good. Uh, Like it it is absolutely mind-boggling. Even... I mean, I'm thinking of high school originally, but even when I think back to my corporate career when I was uh, about to get laid off, 
I mean, I was still like fairly quiet. I mean, I would do my job, but like to do a big presentation or anything like that was number one, it was pretty rare, but there were certain um, opportunities that I had. And I would, I would actually try to put myself in a position where I was either doing a presentation or speaking. um, But it was, it was um, much more structured, I guess. So I like knew, I knew exactly what I was going to say. I had my slides and I would, present my little part and then move forward. But anyway, random thought as I finish up a 45 minute monologue here and published three, almost 400 podcast episodes. I mean, absolutely bananas. So uh, just, you know, if you're thinking of doing something or you're like kind of in the beginning stages you know, get started, start moving forward. You can listen back to some of the early episodes of this show. And I I haven't in a long time, but I suspect, I hope that you would hear an improvement from the earlier days. And then if you go back even further, I've been doing YouTube a little bit longer. You can see how far I've come on the YouTube side as well, where in the beginning, I mean, I was literally scared of the camera. I remember a couple of the early videos, which are still out there, maybe a four or five minute video. It would take me like an hour and a half. I would like keep doing it over and over again. And I was like, ah, this doesn't sound right. Or I stumbled over my words. And now through repetition and practice, I can usually do, you know, maybe a 15 or 20 minute video, no cuts, no edits and it's passable you know it'd be better if you edited it but it's passable so anyway i think now that i said all that it was pretty self-congratulatory but i'll stand by it i did talk for 45 minutes all by myself that's a weird thing to do so i think that's a weird spot to leave it I'm just going to let it hang like that and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks a lot for listening. I wouldn't be doing the show if you didn't listen to it. So I really do appreciate it. And I will talk to you on the next episode.